be seated. Many of us have known the 23rd Psalm probably since we've been children, and we know it as a psalm of rest and rejuvenation, a time of refreshment. But someone has written a modern-day version of the psalm. The clock is my dictator, I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me towards daily stress that hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake, even though I run frantically from task to task. I will never get it all done, for the demands of life are ever before me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My inbox overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. How many of you like the first version better? But how many of you are living the second version? How many of you can relate to some of this? I think many of us, when we look at our lives, we, we possibly, you know, when we had preschoolers in the home and we were dealing with that, some of you may be there right now. We're, Man, I can't imagine a harder time than what we're going through right now. And then they get a little bit older. You add a couple kids to the equation and then it becomes something different. And, oh, if we can just get them off to college and then you wind up worrying about them while they're in college. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And that doesn't even include the demands outside the home. But all of a sudden, we live in this world in which stress seems to come in from every corner. I want you to look at the introduction there in your outline. Two of the common phrases of our day are, I am stressed out and I'm burned out. In our society, stress has become a way of life. It's become the rule rather than the exception. The word stress, if you think about it, comes from the Latin word, which means to be drawn tight or to be wound tight. How many of you would say, you know, that's a pretty good definition? And it really is because that's really how we feel. Have you, ever, have you ever been around someone who's stressed and, and they're very outward in their activity and how they, how they feel comes out of them? You don't want to be around that, do you? I mean, you hear all kinds of things. You see all kinds of things. You see them react in ways that sometimes can get very difficult. Now, I want you to skip down to the application. We're not done yet, by the way. But I want to start there. I want to get to thinking about your stress, okay? How many of you came here today? I thought we get an encouraging word. Now, you remind me of all my stress, but we got to deal with this. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most stressed, how stressed are you? How stressed are you? Can any of you identify a time in your life where you were a solid 10? Any time in your life, raise your hand. Okay, that's about all of us in the room. We, 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 we know what stress feels like. Now, what are the sources of your stress? Some of you would possibly say the children. Well, you can't get rid of them. So, so we, we got to deal with it. We got to look at it possibly a different way. Some would say my career, my job, the pressures of, of, of society and, and what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman and the appearances I got to keep up and, and I, I want to please all these people in my life and the stress that goes on, it goes on, it goes on. And then moving forward into 2019, what are some ways you can alleviate your stress? What can you do about all this? 
Well, before we, get, before we jump into the body of the sermon, let me give you some effects stress has on our lives. This is taken from WebMD. I understand you can trust that. But anyway, the human body is designed to experience stress and to react to it. Stress in and of itself is not a bad thing. Stress can be positive, keeping us alert, ready to avoid danger. Stress can become negative when a person faces continuous challenges without relief or relaxation between those challenges. As a person, as a result, the person becomes overburdened and stress-related tension begins to build. Consider the following. 43% of all adults suffer adverse health effects from stress. 43%. That's almost one in two people in this room is dealing with some type of adverse effect due to stress. So look at the person next to you and say, boy, I hope you can get over this. <laughs> But, but it is, it's that thing that's ever before us. 75%, three out of four doctor's visits are stress-related ailments. Symptoms of stress include headaches, high blood pressure, heart ailments, depression, and anxiety. Some of you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, got it, got it, got it, got Oh my goodness, I've got it. I tell you, one of the hardest things I ever dealt with as a young pastor, I would go into hospital rooms and, and see people where they were there, flat on their back, and they were going through all this stuff. And I said, well, how did you know you had this? And they started naming symptoms. I always left the hospital thinking I had what they had. How many of you have ever, <laughs> how many of you ever dealt with that? <laughs> you know, I've come home to Tina. She's like, what you got now? You've been at the hospital, haven't you? <laughs> I mean, when we start thinking of these things, it floods our minds. More than 50% of emotional disorders are linked to chronic stress. Stress is the result of a fast-paced culture, but it is nothing new to the human experience. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. It appears that Moses was the first stressed-out person that we meet in Scripture. Moses. Now think about it. Moses, he was a good man. I mean, God chose him to lead his people. And uh, you, you go to the New Testament, look back on Moses' life, and he was a meek man. He was a strong man. He was definitely a man built for leadership. And then we find something that began to break down in his life. Something began to happen. And through his experience, we can learn how to handle stress right out of the Bible. So, so how do we handle stress? Look on your outline. Number one, you got to sense your limits. you got to sense your limits. Stress is the gap between the demands that are placed upon us or we put on ourselves and the strength we have in meeting those demands. So, so when the demands are there and the strength's not there, the gap between the two is your stress. Now, where is the origin of stress in our lives? I am convinced based on my experience and some of your experiences from talking to some of you that we are our worst enemy when it comes to stress. We can blame it on the boss. We can blame it on the kids. We can blame it on all the things that are around us. But when it comes down to it, we are the ones in charge of how we're going to deal with the demands that are placed in our lives. And for some of us, we are our worst enemies. And I think by the end of this sermon, I may convince you of that. Now, what, is it, what are we talking about? Here's the meaning. The more demands in life minus the strength that's not there equals our stress. 
It's when my need to can't keep up with my ought to. It was Moses' problem. Moses, think of the story. He leads them out of Israel. I mean, excuse me, out of Egypt. They come through the Red Sea. They're out there. They begin to make their way into the wilderness. They're on the way to the promised land. And all of a sudden, that's when the problems began. All of a sudden, you look around, and Moses is dealing with what many scholars believe to be two, two and a half million people, and, and some disagree on that. But boy, I tell you, it doesn't matter how many is out there. If it's more than two, it can be tough, can't it, when you're leading people? But anyway, there's all these people that are out there. And we come to Exodus, and then verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 17, I think, 17. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it that you brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Now, how do we know that the people were stressed? Because they began to exaggerate. How many have been around people that, 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 that are stressed? You, you ever heard them exaggerate? How come I'm the only one out here working? Ain't somebody going to help me? Get over here. You, know, you can hear it. I mean, they're, they're there. And, and these people, they begin to exact. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do to this people? They seem to be ready to stone me. They're going to kill me. All of a sudden, stress enters in. Worst case scenario begins to set in. Overburdened. It's tough to deal with. You see, the people, the complaining combined with the demands of leadership, and you have the source of Moses' stress. But then God brings someone into Moses' life. Now, we're getting ready to find out it was his father-in-law. Now, how many of you love to take advice from your in-laws? Anybody? No, I'm just kidding. But that's what's getting ready to happen. All of a sudden, you come to chapter 18, verse 13, and it says, And so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Can you already see a problem that could be setting him? Morning until evening, verse 14. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, this, this is where we hear the source of the stress. Because the people come to me to inquire of God. If you were to say, give me three E's that go into the equation of my stress, verse 15 would be expectation. That's not on your outline. This is free. Just write it down. Expectation. Our stress many times begins with expectation. Either people's expectation of us or our own expectation of us. So all of a sudden, you've got Moses. He says to his father-in-law, he begins, he says, because the people come to me to inquire of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that sound a little bit arrogant? Who is Moses? What's basically, what is Moses saying? Moses is basically saying, if they're going to hear from God, where are they going to hear it from? Me. Now, is, is that the only way it's going to happen? No, God's going to use other people. And he does. I mean, you go and look at, even when Moses appeared before Pharaoh, he took someone with him, and all of a sudden, God started using all this. So, so number one, verse 15 is the expectation. Verse 16, it says, when they have a difficulty, Moses is explaining his job. They come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statutes of God and his law. So the second thing you see in verse 16 is explanation. 
When you go from ex, when you go from expectation to exclamation, most of the time that's where you hear people and 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 they're, they're, where it comes to the fault in what they're being stressed out about. When they begin to explain, that's when many times people will reveal the source of their stress. So right now, I want you to think about the stress you possibly are dealing with. I want you to think about, does it come from a form of expectation? By the way, it does. And second of all, how do you explain it? When you begin to explain it, it will probably show sources of pride in your life. I'm the only one that can do anything around here that's right. You ever, you ever said that? It, it could be all kinds of different issues, but many times that's where you'll learn a lot about your stress. Verse 17, so Moses' father-in-law said to him, the things that you do, it ain't good. This is not good. For who? Who's it not good for? You know what we're getting ready to find out? It's not good for everyone involved. Everyone involved. Most of the time, the stress that we're dealing with is not good for anyone. Those around us, they sense it. How many of you have ever been, oh, they're getting ready to be stressed, and you start to get in a fetal position? You ever, you ever done that? No. <laughs> you sense that other person, and all of a sudden, you got all these things. And so, verse 15, both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. So there's three things. If I'm going to begin to sense my limits when it comes to stress, I need to, I need to look at the expectation. I need to give the explanation because that will probably reveal what's overwhelming me in it. And then number three, I've got to have an evaluation. There's evaluation that needs to take place. That's how it comes to sensing your limits. Now, Jethro was saying, Moses, you're a good man, your heart is right, you mean well, but Moses, not even a great man like you, can do everything. And the same thing could probably be said of you. I mean, I mean, think about this. He wasn't lazy. How many of you look around, you, you see people around you that are just lazy? They're not dealing with stress, they're just lazy. Did you know that even lazy people are stressed? I've talked to some of them. They are. They're stressed out by the fact they're lazy. I'm serious. Talk to them sometime. <laughs> and, and, and everyone's a source of it. And so he, he's getting to work at the crack of dawn. He stays there till dark. The demands of the home is all upon her from the morning when she hears the first cry to, to the last cry at night. And stress is surrounding. It's, it's, it's operating on an empty tank. Moses on the outside looks so impressive. He's eating on the run. He's running here and there. He's meeting deadlines. He's planning appointments. But on the inside, he was imploding. Something had to be going on. You know why? Because Jethro pointed it out. Something's not right. Something is not right. And God sent someone into his life to recognize it and to help him with it. That's what I want my role to be for you here today. I want to help you recognize something and help you know how to deal with it. I want you to think of this. A concert piano has over 240 strings that when tuned properly and tightened, listen to this, creates a pressure of almost 40,000 pounds on the frame of a piano. That is amazing when you think about it. We moved the, we've got a baby grand piano behind the state, behind this wall here. I had no idea. 
that there's that much pressure. And we moved that thing all over the place. And, and there's that much pressure sitting there. Without the tension, there could be not be beautiful music. But when you draw those strings too tight, you exert too much pressure, the piano will begin to crack, and it will not be able to do what it was created to do. Now, don't raise your hand, but does that describe any of you in the room? Now, think about it. it. You mean to tell me stress can take me to the point where what I know I'm called to do and what I know I need to do, I'm not really doing well, you might be doing it, but it may not be the best you that's there doing it. And there could be so much more, so much more. So, so let's review. How do you handle your stress? Number one, sense your limits. Expectation, weigh expectation. The expectations people have on you, is it realistic? Most of the time you'll find out it's not, but you are your own worst enemy. Most of the time, it's the expectation we have on ourselves. And we've got to, we've got to look at that. Number two, we've got to, the explanation. Quit defending our stress. You know, how, you know how some people deal with their stress? They wear it like a badge of honor. Have you, have you ever noticed that? You, you ever seen those people around the office? They're going from here to there. I mean, it's almost like, you know, I mean, they're just going wide open. They ain't really doing anything. They just want you to think. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but they seem like they're all uptight, all stressed and all that. And, and, and that's what you have. But you got to explain it. No one else. Some of you may say, well, no one else can do it. How many realize that that's probably a lie with most of the expectation that's placed on us? Now, there are some things only we can do. If you're a mother to your child, who is the mother to the child? <laughs> you are. But when it comes to all the other stuff that you put there in place, that may be the problem. When you begin to explain it, maybe you'll hear it. Number three, the evaluation. Really evaluate what is on you, what's on your family. It may even be that you need to ask an outsider to come in and say, could you look at my life for a second? Here's what I do. Bam, bam, bam. That's the reason I think we need each other sometimes. Now, I don't recommend you go find someone else that's stressed out like you are to have the conversation. Okay, but you need to find someone who seems to almost kind of have it together and, and just see, learn from one another. So, number one, you got to sense your limit. Number two, you got to simplify your life. Now, some of you are mad right now, you're stressed, and you're telling me, What do you mean, simplify my life? I'm doing everything I know to do, and that ain't enough. How, how many of you don't raise your hand, just keep looking at me harshly? I'll, I'll get the picture, but but anyway. So you, how do you do that? You got to set priorities and you got to set boundaries. You've got to learn to have those in your life. So really look at the first thing there on your outline. The fight is no versus yes. How many of you like the way I flipped it? Normally we say what? Yes versus no. Let's look at no versus yes. We need to learn when to say no and we need to learn to know when to say yes. Exodus 18, verse 18, it says, Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourself out, for this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. He was doing the job, but someone basically peered in and looked and said, But you're not doing it well. You see, the fight many of us face is, 
is found in our priorities. Setting priorities with your time is the key to overcoming stress. Some of you need to set boundaries in your life. You do need to learn to say no. You're going to have to learn. Some of you are. In the early days of being a pastor, I thought I didn't have the luxury to say no. I really did. I, 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 listen, and, and this may be your problem. Sometimes the reason I have a hard time saying no is fear of failure and fear of rejection from people. And when I began to understand that was the motivation that was operating in my life, I found out why I was so messed up. <laughs> And it caused me to literally, I mean, I literally felt like I was burning myself completely out because I wanted to meet all the expectations. I thought this is what God called me to do. He's going to equip me with everything I need. Just go out there and just give it all. Didn't take me long to figure out I can't, I can't do that. You know what? You know what? It, 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 it caused major breakdowns in, in other areas of my life. It really did. The time I was missing with family, the time I was missing with the children, the, the time, I mean, it, it really was. It was really affecting not just me getting that, putting myself out there trying to do it. It was affecting other areas of my life to the point that they began to speak into it. Now, someone who, who was motivated like I was, what do you think my answer was? Well, God's called me to do this. Oh, really? You're the only one God can use. Well, I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah. <laughs> no, just <laughs> no, but it's one of those things that I was believing a lie. And, and, and we gotta understand that God wants so much more for us, but we're we're burning ourselves out in both the both directions. So you gotta simplify your life, set your priorities and your boundaries. The fight is really between no versus yes, but then there's second of all, the focus. Once we set our priorities and boundaries in our lives, then it makes it possible to have a clear picture of what we need to be focused on. We got to know what the focus should be. Let me tell you what I see in a lot of young families. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm the observer watching some of y'all do life, okay? You're running yourself ragged sometimes. And you got to be careful. We, how many of you, and, and I've, I've been there, we want so much more for our children. We want them to have this experience and this experience and this experience. And, and we give them all these wonderful things, things we never had. And we, we're running ourselves ragged. We're running them ragged. And then one day we wake up and they're about ready to go out of the home. And we begin to wonder, did we give them everything we, we needed to give them? We gave them a lot. But did we give them what they needed? Did we give them what they needed? You see, it comes to this idea of focus. The essentials versus the non-essentials. Let's use that parenting example. What do my kids really need? What, did, what do I want them to leave my home with? And there's nothing wrong with the extra, extracurricular activities. There's nothing wrong with some of the non-essentials. But when the non-essentials replace the essentials, that's when you have a problem. That's when you as a parent begin to scratch your head and wonder, where did it all go wrong? And for some of you, it's because you're making the non-essentials the essentials. And you're totally ignoring the essentials. Well, how would you know that? I've been there. Every parent in this room has some type of regret. Because we're not perfect. But let me tell you this, 
you do need to get the focus right. You got to get the focus right. The essentials got to outweigh all the non-essentials. Second of all, the significant versus the insignificant. What are those things that you feel like they just got to have? Listen, to determine these things, let me tell you what you got to have. You got to have wisdom and discernment. They're both are necessary. And by the way, let me tell you this. Wisdom and discernment does not necessarily come from the next door neighbor and what their kids are doing. Sometimes it requires you as a family, listen, this is the hardest part, swimming upstream when the rest of the world is swimming in the opposite direction. And your kids sometimes will look at you and say, I don't understand. How come they get to do this? And how come they get to do that? And why aren't they we doing that? And I want to do all that. But we're called, listen, to make the essential the essential and the significant the significant. And we as believers need to understand that God has a say in that. And there's something he wants to say to all of us when it comes to that. So therefore, here's what I encourage families to do when it comes to this. Have a vision statement. Have a mission statement. Have a list of things that you want your child to be equipped with before they leave your home. So that they can make wise decisions. And that they can be the responsible adult you want them to be. And that they won't leave there with a sense of entitlement that the world owes them something. You say, how do you go from stress to that? Here's why. Because if you don't put those things in place, you'll be in your 50s stressing over what your children didn't get. And that's tough. It's tough. Exodus 18, verse 19, Jethro said, Listen to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties of God. He's saying, yes, you, you do have an important job, Moses, and there's some things you can't delegate, and you shall teach them. You, you need to bring other people into the process. You teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. It's amazing that most of us, the reason we have a hard time focusing is we got too many things in our face. We're trying to pay attention to too many different things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We do. There's just so many things that are coming at us. We don't know where to focus. Here's something. I came across this illustration years ago. You may have heard it. You may have heard me say it. Lion tamers. Have you ever seen them jokers? They get in there with the lions, and they're sitting there with a whip, and they've got a chair. Have you ever noticed? Is that chair really going to keep that lion off them? No. One swipe, the chair is gone. But you know what that chair does? They always make sure that the legs are pointing towards the lion. And what that does is the lion has a hard time focusing on what he needs to do. All four, four points of the chair are right there in front of him. And they say that the lion goes into almost sedation. It's almost like they can't focus and they're immobile. And, and they're paralyzed and they don't really get, they don't do anything. I think I've met parents that way. I think I've met individuals that way. Where it's just all so much, it's all consuming, it's overwhelming. So the responsibility that God has placed in our life and the life he wants us to have, many times we turn our back on it. We say it's just too tough. No. And we turn to unhealthy things, maybe alcohol, maybe whatever. Or we ignore the things that we need to be paying attention to. But that's where many people are. Next, sense your limits, simplify your life, share the load, learn to delegate. 
you as a mom may say, well, who do I delegate to? I've never said this, and I, I didn't intend to say it, but I've got a sister, and she's got five children. She homeschools, and I never, she's six years younger than me. I never dreamed she would become the woman that she's become. Now, if she hears it, I'm sorry. Anyway, this, just, this is my thought. Anyway, don't know if we'll put this one on the internet or not, but anyway. <laughs> but, but her children are some of the most well-adjusted people I've ever met. They're becoming adults, and we're starting to see the fruit of what she put in place. None of those kids have a sense of entitlement. They know what work is. They know how to make their way in life. And, and, and you know what? They started learning at it at a very, very young age, learning how to handle responsibility. And I mean, you walk into her home, and the kids all have their responsibilities. Everyone's delegated to do their thing. And you say, well, if that's going to have my home, I got to be that line tamer. I gotta, I got the, I'll be using that whip, you know, and I'll, not necessarily. If you show them the door. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's the door. Anyway. <laughs> Teach them how to be responsible. Teach them how to take control of their own lives. And, and it's amazing just to watch some of those things happen and develop and we're starting to see and and there's other families that are right here in this room same thing you did the same thing and it was amazing to watch but there's so many things and the stresses that will if we will begin to not be so overwhelmed where we can't focus on anything if we, if we get to the point where our stress can take a back seat long enough for us to have wisdom and determine what our kids really need or what we really need and start focusing on the necessary things the significant things then maybe we, it won't be so tough. You say that's easier said than done. You're exactly right. You got to be very intentional with everything I'm telling you right now. It's almost like you know how you know how it is. <laughs> this time of year, I'm not going to ask how many of you just went on a diet. I'm not going to ask. But January first, what do we do? January first, going on this diet. Got to drop twenty, fifteen. Maybe 10. And then January 1st comes and you realize you're off that day. And it's like, January 2nd, 2nd, it will work better because we got to eat the black eyed peas, the collard greens, and chicken or whatever. You, you know, we got to eat that stuff. It's mandatory, right? And all of a sudden, what, what do we do? We, we begin it and we, we say, some of you have already quit. I guarantee you. I know. Look at you smiling like, yeah, yeah, I've already quit. Right now, the why is busy. I tell you this every year. People are on my machines. I just wait them out. Six weeks, they'll be gone. I'll, go, I'll get my machine back. No, I'm the one that's been missing lately. But, but the thing is this. We got to be determined. We got to have discipline. That's the problem with our society now. No one works for anything. No one understands the struggle to fruit and what God wants us for us. And we just need to, to get in there and, and share the load and, and be balanced in our lives. To share the load, look on your outline quickly. There has to be the plan. You got to have a plan. 
If you're going to share the load, you got to have a plan. you got to have a vision. you got to say, okay, this is where we're headed. This is what it's going to take to get there. So, therefore, I need you to do this, you to do that, and I'm going to, you can expect this of me. Where can that happen? That can happen in the church. That can happen in the family. That can happen on your job, whatever. But somewhere along the line, we got to get people involved. And, and, and what will happen is we, if we have the plan, we can clear some of the chaos and maybe the calm will come. In Exodus 18, verse 24, 21, it says, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, have, uh, hating covetousness. That means they're not in it for themselves. Place them over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that they shall bring to you, but the smaller matters they themselves shall judge. So it will be easy for you, for they will bear the burden how? With you. Now, you know what that would require of Moses? It would require Moses sitting down and training them and equip them. You know why we're our worst enemy sometimes? Number one, we think we're the only one that can do it right. Or number two, we don't take the time to equip someone or mentor someone around me. Y'all, as parents, that's what we're called to do. To disciple, to equip, to mentor, to bring them along. I mean, think about it. That's what we're called to do. And, and there's got to be a plan. How are you doing that as a plan, as a family? Get others involved. The size of the work is not a problem as long as there's sharing the load. And that's what we ask of you if you're a member here at this church. Is you come along, share the load so we can come together. It won't be a burden for us. It'll be a blessing for us all. And the fact that we can celebrate things together. Next, I kind of jumped ahead. Not only the plan, but also the result. The burden to blessing. A good plan can produce the best results. Exodus 18, verse 23. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all these people will also go to their place in peace. You're bringing more people in. You, you want to get rid of the chaos? Involve more people. The benefit of knowing how to handle stress. Here it is. Moses, you're probably going to live longer. You're going to work smarter. Everyone's going to be happier. No one will be exhausted. And all that needs to be done will get done. We've got to learn to share the load. We've got to learn to share the burden so others can also share the blessing. You, you know what's amazing? When I look at my sister's family, it's almost like they understand what it means to be a family because of some things that were just put in place. And I hate to keep bringing her up, but she's a great example for what I, and it didn't dawn on me until I got up here this morning. She's a great example of this. And, and, and that's part of it. Next, if we don't do this fourth thing, the rest doesn't matter. We got to seek the Lord. We got to be intentional. This seemed to be the root of the problem. Moses, listen to this, seemed to spend too much time talking to the people about God instead of not enough time talking to God about the people. How many of us could be guilty of that? So where do you go? First of all, you celebrate God's presence. And that requires rest and recognition. Do you realize that's what the Sabbath was set up for? Rest and recognition. Rest. Everybody needs rest, don't we? But we also need to let our rest also recognize 
And that's what Sabbath is. That's what it's all about. He says, Jethro said, listen to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Listen, rest and recognition must go together for there to be true rest. What does the Bible say about rest? What does it say about acknowledgement? Psalms 46.10, look here. Be still and know that I'm God. Be at a place of rest and recognize, know that I'm God. And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is what? Our refuge. He'll be there. We can find our rest in him. Seek the Lord. Be intentional. Celebrate God's presence. Rest and recognition. Number two, appropriate God's power. Equip and assign. Look at Exodus 18, 19, the second part. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. You shall teach them the statutes and the, and the laws. Show them the way in which they must walk and they must do. Moreover, you shall elect from them able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them. Now, we've got a plan. There's something we need to do, right? How do you get there? How, what will it look like? Well, let's listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, look here. Come to me, all you who are stressed out and burdened. The word weary there could be translated stressed. Okay? So, so come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And then he says, what, what's he going to do? Give you rest. Some of you are not believing that right now. Rest. What in the world's rest? Listen, the rest that he's talking about comes with the recognition. For some of us, you know what our rest looks like? And I'm, I'm guilty of this too. Sitting in front of a TV and zoning out. This is rest. Couch has got to be a certain softness. Pillows or recliners got to have a certain tilt. That's rest. That's not what this is talking about. This is literally the whole idea of finding your refuge in God himself. Becoming more aware of the promises he has for us. Living out what he calls us to do. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's him telling us, if we're living contrary to this, is it his fault? Not based on this verse. He tells you what to do. Philippians 4, Paul said, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. The problem with many of us, here's our main problem. We live in a worldly society. We live in a society that's built on materialism. Here's our problem. The reason we have no rest is we're never content. Always wanting more. Always want more, seeking more. Paul said, I know how to be a base. I know how to do without. I know how to deal with abundant. I know how to do with. Everything and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, you would think if I'm hungry, I'm stressed. If I have need, I'm stressed. Paul says that's, that's not the truth. You can be content and you can be stress-free being hungry. Then here's where this famous verse comes in that we claim everything over it. But he's talking about it in the context of contentment. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. I can learn to be content with what he's brought into my life and do with all those stresses that 
that come with some of the junk that I think I need in my life. Look at the conclusion. You're not going to understand this until I give clarity. Is the, present, is the pressure on the outside, that's the world, greater than the pressure on the inside? That's God's presence and power. Let me tell you a little bit about something about a submarine. Many of you probably know this. It's common sense. Did you know that a submarine on the inside has to be able to withstand the pressure that's on the outside? You know that, right? Okay. So what has to happen for the submarine for not to implode on itself, the pressure has to be equal or greater than the pressure on the outside. Okay? All right? So, so if, if the pressure on the outside is greater, it implodes. If the pressure on the inside is as great as the outside, then it does what it's called to do and what it's supposed to do. Okay? Here's the problem with many of us. We don't know how to feel the inside. We don't realize it comes from celebrating God's presence. That it comes by appropriating his power. And we totally miss it. And therefore, many of you, you know where you're living? You know why you feel so like you do? You're literally imploding on yourself because you haven't found the true source of what God is and what he wants to be in your life. Here's the application. Scale of one to 10, 10 being the most. Stress, where are you today? Number two, here it is. What are the sources of your stress? You gotta identify it. You gotta bring people in. You gotta change some things in 2019 or you'll enter into 2020. Just as messed up as you are right now. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask the ushers if they come forward. Would you just bow with me right quick, please? Let's just lift this up to the Lord. Father, we just come to you right now. And, and Lord, I know there's so many around us right now that are carrying some pretty heavy loads. Lord, I know that there's probably people here that the stress that they're dealing with is totally out of their control. Maybe it's a health ailment. Maybe it's something bigger than they are, a relationship that someone else is just taking the relationship off and, and it's doing great harm and it's totally out of their control, Father. But Lord, help them to realize that just as we said, that those pressures that are on the outside can be equally matched with what you can put in us, Father. And Father, I pray, Lord, that that person, when they're dealing with those things that are totally out of their control, that they will celebrate your presence. Lord, that they will appropriate your power. Lord, that they will claim the promises in your word, that you will never let them down. Father, I pray for the individual that may be here today. Maybe it's a young mother that's trying to be all that she knows to be. And Maybe, maybe, maybe her eyes on trying is keeping up with other young mothers, or maybe it's what she sees on TV or in a magazine or on the internet. Lord, help her to realize that you can equip her with everything she needs that those children need, that her husband needs. Father, I pray for the man that may be here today, and maybe, maybe he thought uh, that working harder and uh, sacrificing things, even the, the family would, would create uh, such a fulfillment in his life. And maybe he's sitting here today realizing that all that stress is not causing what he thought it would. Father, I pray you'll bring him to a place of submission, to a point where he can find that the only thing that will make him fulfilled is what he finds in you. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that before they leave here, that they would talk to a pastor, talk to myself to, about what this relationship with you is all about. 
And Father, we just thank you for what you desire to do over these next seven weeks. Lord, we pray for this offering and pray that you'll take it and use it to help us to get the word out that, that your word is the living truth, that it not only spoke to people thousands of years ago, but it speaks to the human heart, the human condition, even today, just as we've seen. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Gary? All right, I'd like to just take this time this morning to welcome everybody here. Thanks for choosing to gather with us uh, to 